You're listening to Bloom in Tech with David Bloom. This podcast sponsored by Fabric Media in Venice, California. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Bloom in Tech. I'm your host David Bloom. So delighted to have you join me on this Labor Day weekend. It is a remarkable time, and uh, uh, for those of us who like to pick through the rubble of the collision of media, technology, and entertainment, trying to find a few golden nuggets of wisdom, there are plenty of collisions going on right now, and no more so than in the film business, which is having its perhaps most important Labor Day weekend ever. It's the time of year when studios dump stuff off of their schedule that they can't figure out what to do with otherwise. Either the film's not good enough for an awards season run in the next couple of months, or it's not big enough to make it worthwhile to be in theaters during the summer blockbuster season. But this weekend, we had not one but two uh, blockbusters come along, thanks to the exigencies of the pandemic. Normally, movie news this time of year is dominated by what's being shown at the triumvirate of prominent film festivals in Telluride, Colorado, Venice, Italy, and Toronto, Canada. Only Venice of those big three are actually in person this year and in a limited way. Everything else is virtual. Typically, the festival spotlight awards contenders and some big-name holiday features before audiences of critics, media, international buyers, and hardcore cineasts. But when it comes to movies the rest of us can see in theaters, Labor Day weekend mostly showcases the dregs of the release calendar. They're dumped on the dog day's dung heap to clear the way for the good stuff to come or already passed. That is uh, always on Labor Day weekend except this crazy, mixed-up, messed-up year and this crazy, mixed-up, messed-up Labor Day. We didn't get a summer blockbuster season, unless you count the streamers' hits Palm Springs or Old Guard or Hamilton, all of which are terrific films, by the way, none of which showed up in a theater. And that was because we didn't have theaters open. At the current rate, we won't have much of an award season either. The Oscars have been moved back two months, so the accolades chase is going to seem even longer than the presidential campaign. But I don't actually know what's going to be in the running. It's been a really interesting and strange year. Of course, all those life and bizarro world changes mean that we're getting not one but two blockbuster movie debuts this weekend on very different platforms. Christopher Nolan's typically complicated take on a thriller, Warner Media's Tenet, and Disney's $200 million live-action remake of its, one of its most beloved 1990s animated films, Mulan. How each fares, amid shifting viewing habits, deeply troubled theater chains, rapid adoption of new streaming services a growing recession, and a still nasty pandemic will say a lot about how Hollywood handles its highest-profile products. That's because the two films represent Hollywood's two paths forward. Both films were among the few big summer tent poles that studios didn't reschedule into 2021 or beyond. Both saw their theatrical releases repeatedly rescheduled throughout the summer. They are, in some ways, joined forever at the hip in Hollywood annals as it looks back on a century of business practices and forward to an unstreaming future. Finally, uh, Disney gave up on a theatrical release for Mulan amid the summer spike in COVID cases that kept most theaters around the country closed. It made the film available to more than 60 million households that subscribed to its Disney Plus streaming service as long as they paid a further $29.99 for quote-unquote premium access. That relatively steep price gives unlimited online access to the movie three months before it becomes free on Disney Plus as long as you continue subscribing to Disney Plus. For a family with a little sword-wielding Mulan-ista or two, that's still probably a very good deal. For the rest of us, well, we'll see. And then there's Tenet, 
which opened in theaters because WarnerMedia wanted to appease its creator, a longtime champion of the in-theater experience, Christopher Nolan. WarnerMedia's solicitousness toward Nolan's understandable, his Batman origin trilogy, together grossed more than $2.5 billion for the studio, and that doesn't include the felicitous impacts of films like Inception and Interstellar and others that have come along since. Now they're just hoping the pell-mell reopening efforts by AMC and other chains of theaters will attract whatever counts as a big or at least a sustained audience here in Bizarro World. So far, the results aren't bad. It's done well overseas in those, those countries where the pandemic's largely under control, particularly in China. It made about a $20 million domestic debut, the LA Times and other outlets report. And that was, at least domestically, that was um, considered by one consultant they quoted as a fair opening, quote-unquote, and a clear measure of where the theatrical business stands today. Though it's a strong release, as uh, David A. Gross, the head of a movie consultancy franchise entertainment research, put it in an email Sunday, for now, this is as good as it gets. Well, that says a lot, doesn't it? $20 million on a $200 million project that they also spent a considerable amount of marketing dollars on, and particularly during this stop-and-start summer, is not going to come close to covering its costs, though we can anticipate that it will stay in theaters for a very long time. The reality is there won't be another good-sized new film coming out till October, and that's a ways off. So it'll have a, a long run. The question is whether anybody who wanted to see the film didn't see it this weekend. Whether people will say two weeks from now, oh, I want to go hang in a theater and watch this movie. If they didn't see it this weekend, will they see it at all? The outcome of these two experiments will help shape Hollywood conventional wisdom for months to come. If Disney scores big, and they may not even tell us if it scores big, other studios likely will release even more of their feature-length projects directly to streaming, possibly bypassing theaters altogether. If Tenet does well, and again, this is as good as it gets, that may embolden studios to reopen their pipelines of already produced projects sooner than next year. This isn't, of course, a perfect double-blind scientific exercise, any more than those Russian vaccine trials that were used to rush that dubious salve into uh, uh, wide use in in the former Soviet Union. For one thing, critical reviews for both movies have been good, but not great. Tenet, for instance, received a B cinema score, good, not great, and a 74% fresh rating on Rotten Tomatoes, which is, again, good, not great. Mulan has its own challenges and opportunities, including the fact that uh, its star has gotten into trouble and set off a boycott by some who are upset about her posting on social media in in support of the Hong Kong police rather than the protesters over Chinese efforts to impose authoritarian rule in the former British colony. Nolan, of course, has many devotees of his narrative origami that folds time, space, and causality on itself repeatedly. Indeed, Tenet the movie and Tenet the movie title are both palindromes reading the same forward and backward. But unlike his Dark Knight movies, Tenet won't have benefit of a big existing franchise or big-name stars. While I think highly of John David Washington, Robert Pattinson, and Elizabeth Debicki, Nolan is the real star of this one. And critics have called the film itself chilly and complicated, which sounds like every Nolan film ever. Uh, Mulan reviews have been complicated too, suggesting Disney Princess fans will love it, while others may be less moved. That probably makes it a good candidate for a streaming first release, actually, though the cost, at $200 million again, is pretty steep for that sort of structure at a time when the companies haven't right-sized their streaming services and their marketing budgets appropriately. 
Disney won't have to spend as much on marketing to reach its target audience, and it can can keep considerably more in revenue that it brings in. It also, and this is, I think, really important, by allowing you to keep access to the film for months after its debut, it may lower subscriber churn, which is the single biggest problem facing all the major streaming services, particularly for somebody like Disney+, Plus, which doesn't have another new hit coming along until the next season of Mandalorian, which arrives on October 30th. It's also worth noting that the restart of film and TV production isn't going great. Robert Pattinson of Tenet himself was just diagnosed with COVID, reportedly, putting on hold the making of the next, not directed by Nolan, Batman film. Dwayne The Rock Johnson said this last week that his entire family contracted COVID from a family friend. Uh, They have all safely recovered, but it's certainly a reason for caution. And John Nolan, a Texas-based assistant director, just died after developing coronavirus symptoms while working on a commercial shoot in July. All that makes it difficult to guarantee the studios will be able to consistently supply reopened theaters with new films. And if people don't embrace the chance to watch Tenet for a couple of hours in the dark, inside, with a couple of hundred perfect strangers during a pandemic, what lesson will studios draw? No one can live without films seen in movie theater on a big screen with an audience with all the chatter and silence, said a declaration at this week's Venice Film Festival opening from the executive directors of Venice and six other major European festivals. No one can live without movie theaters. That's a noble, if somewhat antediluvian or anti-pandemician, to coin an unfortunate term, thought. But we're about to find out what part of it's true and what part is Hollywood and an international theater business desperately holding on to last century's industrial model. Regardless of how it all goes, this will be a weekend to remember. All right, I'll be back in a minute with a few more thoughts. And we're back. You know... And we're back. You know, in thinking about it, we're probably never going to know with any exactitude how Mulan did for Disney other than what what Disney does next with its uh, upcoming films. But I do think that part of it is uh, interesting because of its potential to reduce churn during the down periods because Disney still has a very light array of original programming. Most of it feels like behind the scenes documentaries about how great it is to be at Disney or making a Disney related program. That's not exactly stuff that's going to appeal to a wide audience. Something like Mulan can help smooth out some of the subscribe for a month, watch the stuff you want, get off the service kind of churn that's going to be vexing everybody, particularly as more significant challengers in the in the streaming business uh, get ramped up. Holding on to those folks over months of time may be the single biggest benefit that Mulan brings to the table. It's much harder, I think, to measure on top of what 30 bucks a pop for subscribers may bring in. All that being said, I'd be interested to see what you think. How fast do you believe the theater business will come back? Do you believe the theater business will come back in something like its previous form? Or do you think it's about to go through a radical shift? I have to say, I'm expecting a radical shift over time. I think that all the big chains are going to be less than they were. I think we're going to see a lot of screens close, which may be way overdue, according to some people I've talked with, some experts who know this stuff. 
And I think that it'll change the role of the studios and who they create films for. Increasingly, it looks like Paramount makes films for, for Apple. <laughs> they keep selling things to them. Same with Sony. And I suspect that may happen whether they're selling it to Apple or Amazon or one of those players or they're selling it to their own streaming service. I think that's going to be how it's going to work. And they'll find a role for some theaters, for some kinds of experiences and some kinds of films. The question will be whether those films will be enough to sustain the theatrical experience in a way that looks familiar to those who've watched them for many, many years. I'd love to hear your thoughts on all this. You can reach me on the, the site that hosts and syndicates my show, Anchor.fm, now part of Spotify, and leave an audio message, which would be great. Or you can reach out to me on Twitter at David Bloom or on LinkedIn at David L. Bloom to connect. I love hearing from fans. I love hearing your thoughts. And it helps me uh, get smarter and better. And please reach out. In the meantime, if you like what you hear, please rate, review, share, and subscribe. Let the magic algorithm machine know what we're doing here. If you really like what I'm doing, please consider uh, dropping a few dollars into the creator support system that Anchor.fm runs. It's a little bit like Patreon, and uh, that would be greatly appreciated to help this media machine uh, keep rolling. In the meantime, please be safe. Let me know if you choose to go to theaters. If you're going to do that anytime soon for Tenet or anything else, or how long you think it'll be before you decide to go, I'd love to know what you're thinking. Hope you're staying safe and sane. You're enjoying your Labor Day weekend, such as it may be, and staying as cool as you can in a historic heat wave here on the West Coast. Uh, this is David Bloom for Bloom and Tech, over and out. You've been listening to Bloom and Tech. I am your host, David Bloom. Thanks so much. And our podcast has been sponsored in this episode by Fabric Media in Venice, California. Take care, everyone. Thank you.